But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the first chapter of Peter's first letter. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for in sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of uh, grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're in the middle of a sermon series right now, which is revisiting our ministry year theme, For the Sake of Others. And today's message focuses on that second main emphasis that we talked about at the beginning of the year, challenging the connected. Now this theme is all about encouraging the people of God towards service to God's church and to his world. And you may think with right Lutheran ears that this theme is all about and only about the law. But if so, today's gospel reading might be particularly, sorry, today's Acts reading, I should say, might be particularly surprising. Not just about what we do and what we're supposed to do, but when Peter challenges the connected in this Acts reading, what challenge does he offer to these people, to these people of God in his own day? Surprisingly, it's the challenge of the gospel itself. He says, and, and when I say it in these terms, maybe it'll start to make sense. You crucified Jesus, the Lord and the Christ. 
You need to repent and be baptized. You need the forgiveness of sins. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, as confusing as it could possibly be, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. Be saved from this crooked generation. Now, at this point, I'm not sure where you stand on the challenge, the connected nature of this. Does it sound like law? Does it sound like gospel? Does it sound somewhere in between? Well, wherever you are, I I think you're right, or you're able to be. See, this news that Jesus has died for our sins, he's Lord and Christ, is the best news of all. It's the kind of news that should put a grin on your face. But as the people who hear Peter today prove, there's a way to hear this good news and groan more than you grin, and not just at the pastor's bad puns. They hear the amazing news of who Jesus is and what he has done, and they are cut to the heart, we are told, for they have crucified their Lord and Christ. So how do we make sense of this, this way that they take the gospel and hear it as law? Well, first, we should acknowledge that to receive the forgiveness of sins is to acknowledge that we have sins at all, that we have done things wrong, knowingly or unknowingly, and no matter how much good we do, that wrong is not gonna go away. We have no power of our own that can take that bad stuff and make it go away. Likewise, to receive the Holy Spirit. This is a wonderful and blessed gift to receive, but it is a gift which, when you receive it, acknowledges that there's something unholy that was there first. That there is flesh at war with the Spirit which God gives. An unholy force at war with us offering us and tempting us to sin and constantly unable to avoid the reality of sin in us. We need this Holy Spirit. We can't by our own reason or strength come to Jesus. We're not able by our own strength to resist every single temptation that comes our way. And even further, to receive baptism that Peter encourages is to acknowledge our need for salvation and a Savior. And finally, to receive this promise as Peter calls it, that's for you and your children and all for who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Well, this implies that we are, or were, far off. And maybe we don't want to admit that. Maybe we don't want to admit the sin and the unholy and the distance between us and God. So just as much as the people of God can hear these promises and receive them as promises, beautiful, beautiful promises as Peter describes, we can read each of these as heavy burdens and biting criticism. Which are they to you? I mean, pastors are warned about this, that It's possible for someone to hear the gospel that is preached as law when they're trained. 
So today, in this moment, which are they to you? Is repent, that command, repent, a burden because you love your sin? There's sins in your life which you just can't shake and don't know how and don't know where to go with them. And maybe you kind of like them. Is forgiveness scary? Is the promise of forgiveness scary because you are unable to forgive that person who sinned against you five days ago or ten years ago and you don't want to? Is Jesus shining a light in the dark corners of your life? A prospect which makes you shudder a little bit because it's hard to imagine someone else finding about those secret sins that you struggle with? If you say yes to any of these questions, well, then I have good news for you. First, you're totally normal, you're human. We are all different. We all struggle with different sins, different fears, different regrets, but we all still struggle. However unique your particular sins and fears and regrets may be, it's normal to have them. That's why it's especially important that you hear the other part of this good news, the second part, that Peter's words aren't just for the people of his day. They're for you. Whatever your sins and fears and regrets may be, you need to repent. If you haven't already, you need to be baptized. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the forgiveness of sins. Your sin, as Peter said, crucified Jesus. Your sins, whatever they are, killed the one who is both Lord and Christ. Does it sound like good news yet? Or does it still sound like challenging the connected? It may be the best news of all. But this gospel, strange to say, is in a real sense the biggest challenge of all. It's a burden that is too heavy for you to bear. But even for this, we have good news too. See, Jesus not only bore your burden of sin to the cross, Jesus takes on the responsibility for your repentance and your faith as well. As much as we may be tempted to think of the activity of our faith, that the working out of, of our salvation as our own work, Faith starts with the Holy Spirit working in us, calling us by the gospel, changing our hearts. And it's his work that carries us through every step of the way. As one of the founders of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, C.F.W. Walther says, when we are over on the other side, and by this he means heaven, we will see and marvel that in reality, there was not a single hour when God did not work in us to save us. Yet there was also not a single hour when we wanted to be saved. Indeed, we are forced to say to God, you alone have redeemed me. You alone sanctify me. 
Now, Walter's not saying that you can't want to be saved now as a Christian who's had the Holy Spirit work on your heart, but he is saying that without that Holy Spirit's work, you could not even begin to want to be saved. He's saying it's totally normal to shudder at Peter's words, to hear these things that Peter says and feel a tinge of guilt and fear at the news. Jesus was crucified because of me, my sin crucified my Lord. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. It's normal to resist that message. It's not normal for a human to hate their sin. It's normal for humanity to know the difference between good and evil. Yes, we ate the fruit in the garden after all, but that doesn't mean we have the strength to do good every time and resist evil every time. As Paul tells us so clearly in Romans 7, we do what we don't want to do. We don't do what we know we should do. What's normal is twisting the law of God and our flesh working against us. And yet, as we hear the word of God, encounter it here in, in, the, in the preaching of this place, there in the sacraments, and there in, in the, the holy, the holy uh, communion, there in the in holy baptism. And as we read the scriptures and pray to our Lord, the Lord comes to us, appears among us, works faith in our hearts and repentance in our hearts in spite of our flesh and sin. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to, as Martin Luther says, call us by the gospel, enlighten us with his gifts, sanctify us and keep us in the faith. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to point us to Jesus and recreate us in his own image. This is the essence of the good news that Peter proclaims. For notice how in every word Peter speaks, he doesn't emphasize what we do, what we act out, he emphasizes the work of God. Those people who hear him are to be baptized, not go baptize and wash themselves. They are to receive the Holy Spirit, not take hold of it for themselves. They are to receive the blessings and the promise, that gift that is for them and for their children. For the Lord, not them, is calling them to himself. This isn't their work, not first and foremost. It's the Lord's work, and he invites them and you to take part in it. It's Christ's victory on their behalf and on your behalf and for your sake. You know, it's so tempting to claim this progress in our life of faith for our own. But today, the challenge of the gospel is to hear this good news, to see the things that God is doing in us and to give glory to God, to recognize that not only is Christ the one who won the victory at the cross, but that his spirit is responsible for any progress or transformation in us too. If today, you feel that tinge of fear or guilt, rejoice. 
It's his spirit that is creating that in you. If today, even better, you you feel faith and repentance, give him glory. His spirit is working in your hearts, and if his work is not yet done, if there's still flesh there, if there's still sin there, that's okay. Trust that he will bring that work to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so may the peace of our God be with you always. Amen.